Nikki Beaver-Jones making way for Nicolene Sorensen to make her return. The first time back playing in an Everton shirt in 435 days since rupturing her ACL last September against Birmingham City. Oh, a lovely ball through and the low shot beats Spencer at the near post. As Nicolene Sorensen gives Everton the lead after just three minutes. And what a finish it was. Rupturing your ACL is one of the most challenging setbacks to overcome. On average, female footballers are up to six times more likely to suffer this injury. While the journey to return to the field isn't easy, it has been proven that those who do come back stronger. A recent example of this is Nicolaine Sorensen, who after 14 months of gruelling rehab, returned to the pitch in December 2022 and is now on her way to her first ever World Cup with Denmark. However, it has been far from easy. This is a story about physical and mental strength. This is the story of how Nico came back. Nico, let's start at the beginning. Saturday, 25th of September, 2021. What do you remember? Um, oh, um, remember playing game against Birmingham, coming on, I think, around 80 minutes, so 10 minutes to go, and then I've been on for a couple of minutes. Get the ball, want to do a cross, I've seen Valerie Govan coming into the front post, so I was trying to hit her. And when I then, I do that on balance. So when I then land down, I just hear a crack and fall down on my glute, which hurt it the most. So I was trying to overcome that pain a little bit, um, but didn't really notice more than that crack in the knee. And I did, And to be fair, I didn't think about it at all. And then I got the ball had to do a pass and was hitting one of the Birmingham players and had to repress, change direction, and then my knee was just so unstable. Mm. Um, so I went down and at that time, I, as far as I remember, I was quite sure it was a muscle injury because I felt so tight in the back. Both hamstring and calf felt so tight. So... At that point, I didn't think about knee or ACL or anything. It was first then when I came out, went into the treatment room, Connor saw me and the girls came in and was like, we're going to be here for you no matter what. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm going to be back back next week. Um, but then when I settled down and everything, muscle settled down, I could feel that it wasn't potentially a muscle injury, but more something in the knee. And then I kind of knew what it was. Was there an aspect of denial, potentially? Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, I've never been injured before, so I didn't. I have no clue how it will feel to, to rupture an ACL. And from what I've just seen is that people lay down screaming because it's so painful and mine wasn't painful at all. So mm. I was actually running after and... It, my knee didn't swell really much and I didn't have a lot of pain. So I was like, well, potentially it's not that bad. Mm. And then, yeah, for sure, a lot of denying and probably didn't really want to face face reality. You're saying the pain as well for that injury. 
was it maybe a factor of adrenaline that you didn't feel it as much initially or was it just it wasn't sore to begin with? I think at the game when it happened, I think the pain from my glute because I landed down on my glute was mm. so much more painful than what happened in the knee. So that has potentially taken a bit of it. Mm. Um, it was more and it wasn't because it was painful, but the unstable in my knee was just so uncomfortable. Mm. Um, and potentially adrenaline has been hiding the pain a little bit as well. But but to be fair, I, ha I haven't really struggled with any pain throughout my process. I haven't had pain in the knee or stuff like that. It's been a lot of other things that has caused the complications, but it hasn't been pain that has been my issue. So that has been a good thing. When did you discover the severity of injury and you found out there was an ACL rupture? So when it happened, I went back home, game ready, watched on was walked around on crutches, um, and the physios wanted me to see me the day after. So I remember being in the physio room with Connor, and he, he did all the the knee testing, and and I remember asking him like. What do you think it is? Because I thought it could potentially be MCL or LCL and maybe a bit of denying as well. Um, but then uh, I remember asking him and be like, please be 100% honest. I don't want you to give me the nice answer of what you think I wanted to hear. I want to hear what you actually think it is. And and he he was clear he was quite sure he was ACL and I think that was the point where I was like what hmm. is going on Connor's been at the club for a few years now you know he's worked with Gabby George when she came back from ACL injury you know Shani Bocca-Locker who had an ACL injury as well during the time with us he's seen it before did that almost reinforce that it was true that it was going to be an ACL yeah, yeah, I think it was. I, I know that Connor and Yao had been looking over the situation together and kind of find out what had happened. And um, because at first point they thought that I rolled my ankle, um, so it was a bit of like a tricky situation because when when I'm going down, it's actually not where it has happened. It's a couple of minutes before. Um, so yeah, um, I kind of knew that when both of them was like we are quite sure it's an ACL I, I kind of knew it was Thus began Nico's lengthy road to recovery as she returned to her homeland in Denmark to take the first steps of her rehab however that opening period was incredibly tough probably the worst worst three months of my life so far um one big struggle. Um, I was in the best hands back in Denmark. I was always a, a very, very good physio that has done more than hundreds ACL rehab. So I, I felt so safe and and I kind of felt that the right decision for me was to go back home and get my surgery done there and have a physio that was that I was with um, three times during the week and then most importantly, be home with my, my family and, and friends around me. What we didn't knew was all the complication that was supposed to come or that came after the, uh, the surgery, which was my reaction to a surgery like that. 
and since I've never had a surgery before, we had no idea of how I would react. I reacted very much. Um, so, yeah, the first three months in Denmark was just one big complication and one big struggle. Could this injury have ended your career? Um, looking back at it, yes. When I was in the moment, I wasn't thinking about it. Like, when it happened, I was like, yes, I'm going to come back stronger. When I was in those three months in Denmark, I wasn't thinking about... Because I thought it, I thought it was normal. Mm. I didn't know how it was supposed to feel or how it should feel or how far I should have come. Or I had no idea what normal was. So in my little world, I was like, oh, yeah, today I can do a little bit more than what I could yesterday or... Uh, my knee's not that swollen today and looking back at it now I can see how unnormal things were mm. um, and I think the moment I realized it could have potentially been career ending was at one point when I was back on the pitch and had a discussion with Connor and we were just talking about the process as we've done a million times before and he was like you know what if you didn't have that second surgery and we haven't MR scanned you and, and seen all that scar tissue I've built up, then potentially if we haven't removed it, we, we potentially wasn't able to get it out. And he thought that we had a window of two to three more weeks before it was, we weren't able to, to take that scar tissue out. Because normally you can break scar tissue and, and it won't be a problem, but mine scar tissue had calcium in it. So it was starting to get like bony. And if we waited a couple more weeks, we potentially weren't able to get it out. So I think I realized way far ahead, looking back, it could have been career ending. But in the moment, I think I've been like way too positive throughout the whole journey. So I've been like, oh, yeah, I can easily do that. And I can easily do this. And looking back, I can see it wasn't that easy. What's it like, though, to think what could have happened? Um, of course it's scary um, and it kind of makes you appreciate how much football does to my life and makes me so happy and that's all I want to do. I've, I've never appreciated playing football as I do now, mm. but at the same time it's scary because when you get injured you never think it as a career ending injury, but out of a sudden like things can change so quickly and and from my perspective, like it, ha it happened so fast and I couldn't have done anything else to prevent it. And then out of a sudden, I was sidelined for 14 months and potentially never can come back to football. So, so of course, it's, it's scary, but I think I've learned so much from it that I said it when I got injured as well, that I was so happy I'd, I had no clue of what to go through. And I'm so happy I didn't know what to go, mm. that was waiting for me because I think that I've been more scared knowing than unknowing. Mm. One of the key figures behind the scenes for Nico's rehab was Everton sports therapist Conor Wagstaff, who oversaw a majority of Nico's return to the field. He flew out in the early months to go see Nico in Denmark. And while Nico admitted it was nice to see a familiar face, it was also challenging to hide the overriding difficult emotions that she was feeling on the inside. What do you remember from the visit? Um, 
He was flying over and was um, coming in with me doing a training session with the physio I was with in Denmark. And yeah, he just saw what we what we did and we did some testing that he wanted me to do so we could kind of benchmark it to what I've done before injury and, and so we kind of could measure the progress. Um, so yeah, it was really nice to have him over and... and and he could see where we were, but as I said before, I was not in a good place. Um, and both physically and mentally, I wasn't in a good place. And I was really struggling with, with the, especially the range of motion was, was a big, big struggle. And yeah, I think I was still smiling and, and trying to be happy, but I, I was struggling. Did Connor know that? No, I don't think so. And I don't think... Uh, as we spoke about the other day with Con, I don't think he noticed I wasn't in a good place because I think sometimes I'm really good at hiding that. Um, but if you ask my family and if you ask my boyfriend, they knew I wasn't in a good place. So you did speak to people about it or you just yeah. you didn't keep it to yourself? No, no, no. Like I always, when I have something, I always use use my family and especially my boyfriend and speak to them about it. So it wasn't because I wanted to try to hide it or he he didn't knew or couldn't knew is more because like I use them and mm -hmm. then I'm used to be fine after and mm -hmm. I was just trying to get through the day every single day at that time because you've obviously just you'd went from a year slash a season of being in England away from your family imagine even when you went on international camps if there was any interaction with family it was very limited mm. so to go back home and do your rehab and have that support close by with family members that must have meant a lot yeah that meant everything to me and that was the exact reason why I, I wanted to go back as you say the first year was was COVID and I think I saw my family for maybe if you take away the summer break I think I saw them between maybe seven and 14 days mm. for that whole year and as I said, I've never had surgery before, so for me it was important that I kind of understood everything that was going on around me and I knew I would understand everything completely in Danish. Um, and at the same time, I needed to be around my family and and a thought I had as well was that I could potentially burn out if I had my full rehab over here. Sometimes it's really good to kind of change the pictures a little bit. And I knew that it would probably help me to get through the first couple of months back home with my family where it was a lot of stuff I could easily do myself or with the physio in Denmark. And then the plan was then when I was starting to go on pitch after three months, I had to be back here and do it here. But then things changed and I had a second surgery in, Gen in January and we had to kind of start all over again. Um, but we didn't knew that obviously before. That must have been frustrating though to go back to square one. Yeah. I think, <laughs> as I said before, me being too positive, is like I thought going into that surgery, I was just about to get some scar tissue removed and then I would be all fine. I'll be out running on the pitch a couple of weeks later. Um, and then I remember waking up uh, after the surgery and got the journal where it has that description of what they've done. and. I was like, they, they suggested four to six weeks more on crutches. And I was like, they must be kidding. Like, no way. And then it wasn't only four to six weeks. I think it ended up being closer to tw 10 or 12 weeks. Mm. Um, so 
yeah, that was that was really hard to get through, especially because all I wanted to do was just to push, and I kind of, I kind of knew in January after that surgery, with so many weeks on crutches that. I had no chance of coming back this season or for the Euros. What was that like to accept? So hard. Um, I think personally it was really hard because um, the way that I've approached this has been I would never look back at this and think I haven't done anything I could to go back as fast as possible. And it was hard to accept that even though I've done everything I could, I was training three times a day I was training hours every single day and it just wasn't enough and I couldn't do anything about it and it was hard for myself to accept that at some point it just wasn't good enough but it was just not because of me it was because of some other circumstances and reaction in my body I couldn't do anything about but it was hard mentally to accept that I couldn't do anything about it yeah exactly that because I suppose when something's within your control, you can influence it. But when it's not, and you can't do anything, mm. that's the toughest situation exactly. to accept. Yeah, and I, the, like, as an athlete, you used to push yourself to the limit all the time. Lift hard in the gym, run faster, run more, do more. And I think what this journey has probably learned me the most is that more isn't always the right thing to do. Mm. I was pushing myself so hard and I was doing everything I was told to do and everything I could do and I think that was why it was so hard for me to accept that even though I was doing all of that I still couldn't do anything about it mm -hmm. and the the journey and the process has taught me so much but some of the parts I could have been without to mm -hmm. be fair I think the hardest part for me was all the lead up to the tournament. Um, when the tournament had kicked on, I kind of felt better than I thought I would. Um, but the biggest struggle for me was definitely from injury time until that tournament started. Um, so yeah, I went down there to see them, obviously spoke to Re and some of my other really good friends. but. I kind of distanced myself a little bit to it as well because uh, it was hard for me to 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 see it um, because I I was at a place in the national team where I finally was being where I wanted and dreamt of being, playing a lot, um, and and felt I was in a good place in a good position and and it was hard to accept that. That's how football is, and, mm. and out of a sudden, I was just away. Yeah. And then, as football is, someone else is taking your place, which is how football is. It's just hard, personally, to take that. While the disappointment of missing out in the European Championships was apparent, Nico didn't shy away when questioned about a personal ambition to reach the World Cup. Is that the aim? Yeah. Obviously, just to get there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely the, the biggest goal, um, and that's what me and Connor has trying to focus on after the Euros wasn't a thing for me. Um, but yeah, 
Of course, a big goal of mine is to be in their World Cup squad. While Nico's technical ability is clear for all to see, it's her leadership qualities that make her a vital asset to the dressing room at Everton. This is something that our manager Brian Sorensen recognised following his arrival in the summer of 2022. It is clear that the pair hold each other in high regard. Brian, as you say, knew as a, as a player, he's got to know you as a person and he's brought you into that captain's group. How much has that meant to you? A lot. I think um, it's always it's always nice to be acknowledged and to be a part of, of a leadership group, leadership group and... and um, of course, it means a lot to me, and, and even though I wasn't a big part of the team at that point, football-wise, it meant a lot to me that I could try to help and push for things, maybe on some other points, and, and help the team and help the girls. So, so yeah, it meant a lot to me, and it, it still does. Because mm-hmm. we see, you know, sessions I've been down and captured, when there's maybe a debrief at the end, one thing I take away is you, you're quite vocal, not in the aspect of being critical, but you... You help Anna analyse and you help Brian. Do you feel a sense of leadership and responsibility in that aspect as well? Do you feel you're comfortable to be vocal about you know sessions and, and how the team's performing, even though you've been away from, from games? Yeah, I, I think that has probably been a little battle I've had with myself that hmm. I didn't want to come in and think I was something and had to tell people do hmm. so and so. Um, so in the first couple of sessions I was probably a little uh, more quiet than normal but um, but I think like that's not who I am as a player or how I want to be as a player and I've I've tried to come back to that quite fast because I know that that's a way that I can contribute as well and I think it's important that I was getting back into that Um so yeah, of course, in the beginning, it was a little bit uncomfortable because I didn't know how everyone else was thinking about me coming in and talk and and trying to solve things. But but yeah, I always try to do it in a, in a very good and in a positive way. Um, so so, yeah, it has been quite natural. And I think even though you get chose to be in a leadership group, it, sh- it shouldn't change who you are as a person or as a player. And I think like I, I just trying to stay very true to myself and and who I would be if I was in a leadership group or not. I always want to be who I am, no matter what. So yeah, I'm just trying to trying to be me. This club obviously means a lot to you, but the city as well. You've you've lived here for you know a couple of years. What's that been like? You know, to begin with during COVID, but then a sense of normality now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got to know the setting and the people, I suppose. Yeah, I've, I've said it loads of time, but I feel it's my second family. Um, especially now, I've been here for a couple of years and I know so many in the club and around the club and so many people have taken such a good care of me, especially the past 14 months. So, yeah, I feel it's my second family away from home. So, yeah, yeah. Connor was saying you've picked up a bit of Scouse. Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I'm scouse. Um, a Danish scouser. <laughs> yeah, we can call it that. Obviously, you take some things in when you live here for so long. So, but yeah, no. Like I think it was instead of saying twenty pounds, I said twenty quid. Mm. 
and I actually didn't knew that was a Scouse thing, but obviously it was. Yeah. One member of the squad who helped Nico at the final hurdle was Tony Duggan, who was then pregnant with her now child, Luella. The pair spent time together behind the scenes, but it was in fact Tony who was there at the beginning. I don't know if you remember, Tony was who you subbed in that Burnham City game. And, you know, she was there at the start and then she's been here at the end. What's she been like with you throughout this journey? She's been unreal. Um, obviously, I spent a bit more time with her the past couple of months than the first couple of months of my injury. Um, but now she's been such a support and, and we've had such a good time. And um, yeah, I don't think I'll ever forget the moment where she told me about she was pregnant and, and they were having a baby. And yeah. She's just such a good person and I'm always happy when I'm around her and and her support and she still supports me and asks me how I am and if I'm excited or nervous and like she asks to me every single day and and yeah, nah, she's unreal and has been such a good support and I'm so thankful for, for the part of the journey she's been a part of. Did you have any suspicions that she was pregnant? No, not at all. You were with her? Every day, essentially, you no idea. Every day, and I really thought that she had a sore back, <laughs> and I, I was like, it must be really sore, and it must be really bad. But I remember we were walking around in the pitch on Anfield, and she was like, Nico, can I just speak to you? No, we were on the way out to the pitch, and she was like, I need to tell you something, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. I thought it would be something about something in the gym or on the pitch or. She was like, can we just go for a walk? And then she took her jacket off so no one could see her mouth. And she was like, I'm having a baby. Um, and yeah, obviously, like tears in our eyes. And like, I was just so happy for her. And most importantly, I could see that she was so happy. And yeah, I'll try to be the best support I can be for her throughout her journey that, that waits now. And yeah, she's just good. She obviously had to tell a few people, like she had to tell Yao, who, you know, someone who talks as much as him, keeping a secret must be a big deal. Um, Connor was oblivious to it, um, but you know, the manager knew, the club doctor knew, um, none of the players knew at this point. You were the first person to find out and she, she held on to that news until the next week. That must feel really special that you were the first person to find out. That yeah, group. it was, and I kind of feel that going into the Anfield game, it was, it was quite hard for me because I thought that I'd potentially be back for that game. So, and that was one of the one I've been looking forward to the most, playing at Anfield against Liverpool. And so I think Tony kind of knew that uh, that I that day was a little bit tough for me. And then after she told me that, I was just so happy. Didn't think about knee injury. I wasn't a part of. I was just so. I was honestly just so happy and we were just sitting next to each other and we were just smiling and laughing and like, yeah, it turned out to be the, the best news ever on that day and, and still is. Um, so yeah, nah, I'm, I'm so, so happy she told me and and yeah, as you say, feel really honored and really special that, that she wanted to tell it to me. 
While it is only six months into Nico's return, it is clear to see that she has returned an improved player. However, she only has to look across the dressing room to see another example of a player who's returned stronger after an ACL rupture. Well, one of your club teammates in the minute, Gabby George, she ruptured her ACL. She's absolutely flying now, you know, playing a new position, left wing back. That must just be case in point evidence of how you can go from this injury to an absolute new high. Yeah, um, yeah, Gabby is a great example and a great motivation. Um, and the good thing about an ACL injury is to see all the players that comes back even better. Mm. And Gabby is one of them and has been flying ever since she came back. And and obviously she, she's been a big motivation and, and it's been great to see her progression. Um, so yeah, now I've been through it myself. I just have so much respect for the way she's come back and has played so well. And to be fair, I have that for every single player that goes through an ACL rehab because it's so hard. <laughs> do you feel stronger? Yeah, I do, but it has taken its time. Mm. And I think I'm about to... Mentally, I feel a lot stronger. Physically, I feel a lot stronger. And now it's just a matter of combining the two. So I hopefully feel as strong as I've ever felt. Um, and But yeah, I feel way stronger, way wiser than 14 months ago.